of the Factual Forecast, a look at the week's biggest stories and what they mean from the editors at Factual. I'm Jimmy Levis. Today is June 29th, and in this week's forecast, we've got a look at the monsoon season in Pakistan and India, Kenya and Somalia reopening some land borders, municipal elections in Peru, Thailand's new parliament meeting, and Russia deploying tactical nuclear weapons in Belarus. You can also read about these stories and more in our weekly newsletter. I'll throw a link to that in the show notes. Up first, we'll take a look at the monsoon season in India and Pakistan. For more on that, I've got Factal Senior Editor Halima Mansour. Hello, Halima. Hi, Jimmy. Thanks for having me. Thanks for your time. You know, no, it's, uh, it's almost July, so that must mean it's time for some monsoons and flooding. What can you tell us about all that? Well, the summer monsoon has advanced across most of India. It hasn't arrived in Pakistan yet, but it's expected to make itself felt more prominently in the next few days. The impact has already been felt in India, where an earlier heat wave killed more than 90 people and destroyed some tomato crops. And those areas are currently feeling the cooling effect of the monsoon rains. Well, what's the latest then? How are things at the at the moment? Well, the monsoon remains a higher season in South Asia. It's already killed more than 20 people in India since the start and at least 21 in Pakistan, where it's in pre-monsoon incidents. So there is always a risk of things escalating. If you guys remember last year, Pakistan's uh, floods killed more than 1,700 people between June and November. And those floods covered a third of the country at their peak. So we still have a way to go before we see how this pans out. How about the impact from these monsoons on the areas outside of India and Pakistan? What kind of knock-on effects do you see with these storms? Well, the monsoon is known as the lifeblood of India and Pakistan and the South Asia region's economy, uh, which is in a large part agrarian. So... Let's say India gets a good amount of rain uh, that might allow India to lift curbs that it imposed in sugar, wheat and rice exports. And it's the world's second biggest producer of wheat, rice and sugar. So a good monsoon could result in an easing on food inflation and a bad monsoon could heighten food inflation. And it would not just be limited to India or Pakistan. And if flooding in Pakistan this year sees similar levels as last year, the world will be expected to push in more aid to help people who are displaced, to help contain diseases such as malaria. And we know that the world is currently facing a sort of like donor fatigue due to money that is required and help that is required across the world by refugees, by war-struck countries. So a bad monsoon in Pakistan would not just be contained. The effects of it would not just be contained to Pakistan. Well, Halima, considering all that, what do you think folks should be watching for next? Well, if the Pakistan Met Department is it has made an accurate prediction, this year will not be above average in terms of the rainfall expected. However, the Met Department and the Disaster Agency of Pakistan have not ruled out extreme events such as flooding, uh, urban flooding, um, hill torrents, snow melts. Each of those come with associated long, long-term effects, such as more disease, more water logging, more displacement. Uh, those are all things we need to watch for. And over across in India, 
even though authorities are predicting an average monsoon season across most of the country, um, that does not rule out the more immediate impact that it has on people, which is, again, deaths, injuries due to rain-related incidents, some displacement, landslides. That's what I would be watching for. Well, Halima, as always, I thank you for your time and thanks for keeping us informed. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Jimmy. Take care. Three border crossings between Kenya and Somalia will reopen by Saturday. That following an agreement struck between the two nations in mid-May. Kenya closed its land border with Somalia in 2011 following several incursions into Kenyan soil by the militant group Al-Shabaab, which remains in control of large swaths of Somalia and continues to stage attacks against military and civilians. Following a bilateral meeting earlier this year, the two nations agreed to reopen the border, initially at three key crossing points in a phased manner. It's a bid to improve trade and information sharing to tackle the ongoing scourge of Al-Shabaab. Now, this reopening signals a further thawing of relations between Kenya and Somalia, following several years of tensions over militant activity, a shared maritime border, and Kenyan acknowledgement of the breakaway Somaliland region. Kenya's President William Ruto has faced domestic criticism for his decision to reopen the crossings after border regions experienced a spike in attacks attributed al-Shabaab. But Ruto has stood by his decision. Voters in eight of Peru's regions will once again choose new municipal leaders on Sunday. The vote comes after 2022's election results were tossed out in 12 districts due to lack of participation and excess of null ballots and other irregularities. Campaigning restrictions were enforced earlier this week, and political rallies and demonstrations were banned starting on Friday. A dry law also came into effect last week and will be enforced until Monday with fines and jail time for those who sell alcoholic beverages. Now, more than 22 million Peruvians are eligible to vote in these elections. They'll elect 12 mayors and 60 local officials. It's also the first poll since mass anti-government protests erupted across the country in December. Demonstrators demanded early elections last year when Dina Bolarte replaced ousted President Pedro Castillo after he dissolved Congress. A report by Amnesty International found that Peruvian security forces killed at least 25 protesters, including six children in extrajudicial executions. Government supporters hope the municipal elections can serve as an alternative to the dissolution of the current government. Thailand's king will open a new parliamentary session on Monday. It will be the first time the country's newly elected lawmakers meet following the May 14th general election. The election in the spring saw the progressive Move Forward Party not only pull off a victory, but deliver a resounding rejection of royalist conservatives allied with the military that has led or backed the government since the coup in 2014. Now, once the opening ceremony is completed, the Thai House of Representatives is expected to meet on Tuesday to elect a speaker. At some point following that, the Speaker will call for a joint session of Parliament to vote for a new Prime Minister, and that's a process that could bring more political turmoil. While the Move Forward Party's leader, 42-year-old Harvard grad Peter Limjorn Rot, says he has enough support to become Prime Minister, it remains to be seen if he truly has enough backers. After all, his coalition has short dozens of seats to guarantee a majority, and getting support from the Senate may prove to be a challenge considering all 250 senators were appointed by the last military junta. Russia is set to start deploying tactical nuclear weapons in the territory of key ally Belarus on Friday. That's when special storage facilities are expected to be completed, though 
some weapons have already arrived in the country. Russian President Vladimir Putin announced in March that he would station nuclear weapons in Belarus, comparing the move to NATO's nuclear weapons sharing agreements that allow weapons to be stationed with allied military partners. Belarus President Alexander Lukashenko confirmed his country has started taking delivery of the weapons, but did not give details on how many or whether new facilities to house them had been completed. Now, exiled Belarusian opposition leader Svetlana Tikhonovskaya has warned that deploying nuclear weapons in Belarus would be transferring weapons into the hands of a, quote, crazy dictator. Russian Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu says Russia will retain control over the weapons and will make decisions on their usage. Lukashenko promised rewards for those who join Russia and Belarus, proclaiming in an interview with state television, quote, there will be nuclear weapons for everyone. As always, thank you for listening to The Factual Forecast. We publish our forward-looking podcast and newsletter each Thursday to help you get a jump start on the week ahead. Please subscribe and review wherever you find your podcasts. And we'd love it if you'd consider telling a friend about us. Today's episode was produced with work from Factual editors Sophie Perrier, Irene Viora, and David Wiley. Our interview featured editor Halima Mansour, and it was produced and edited by me, Jimmy Lovis. Our music comes courtesy of Andrew Gosby. Until next time, if you have any feedback, suggestions, or events we missed, drop us a note by emailing hello at factual.com.